Welcome everyone to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Leidig, and welcome to the show today. Um, I don't know how things are where you live. Here it is freaking cold. Uh, when I got up this morning, it was three degrees, and uh, I don't know. It's just not my idea of a good time. And I had to run my granddaughter to a physical therapy thing, so hop in the car, start it up, turn on the seat warmers, <laughs> everything blasting on high, and let let that happen for 15 minutes. That's my idea of how to deal with winter. But anyway, I digress. So today I thought it would be fun to talk about um, things that people collect. The title that I gave to the show was The Hoarder of Things which is just a play on words. Um, not that collecting is necessarily hoarding, but anyway. Um, I think probably what inspired this uh, this topic was that Kristen and I spent uh, 10 hours, maybe, about 10 hours, at an auction yesterday, uh, which we go to auctions fairly regular, sometimes... We'll take a break for a couple months. I always check them out. I always research them, but we don't always attend. But yesterday was a big one for Martin Luther King uh, at one of our favorite auction houses. And uh, they had thousands upon thousands of lots. It was it was awesome, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. And we got some incredible deals on all kinds of things from uh, keyboards like professional level keyboards to um, an AccuCut machine and dragons and all kinds of things. It was pretty fun. Um, but anyway, one of the things that I've always loved and appreciated about auctions is that it's one of the best places to people watch uh, just because you, um, it, it's just really curious to see how people act and interact in settings like that um, because you get to see what their passions are or what their obsessions are or perhaps it's a business which in these days I would say probably like at yesterday's auction they had a couple hundred people and I would say probably 75% of them were resellers um, well maybe not quite that many maybe half uh, were resellers uh, based on us knowing who they were and stuff. But uh, the flip side of it, and one of the things that I think about a lot, um, is like here you have, uh, in this case at, at an auction, here you have um, estates that are being sold. In most cases, it's because the person passed away or perhaps they're downsizing uh, into a smaller home, or maybe they're going into a senior care facility or something like that. And uh, it really emphasizes the notion of, you know, you can't take it with you <laughs> kind of thing. But it's fascinating to see, um, you get to see, for me, a glimpse into who these people were. Um, so yesterday's auction included bits and pieces of probably eight different estates. And uh, as I mentioned, the products are, well, not products, but the stuff that they were selling there was very wide ranging. And uh, depending on the estate, okay. Um, and so there was literally something there for anybody. Like every one of us that are here live or even listening to the recording, I'm, I can pretty much guarantee that there was something there that, that you would find intriguing. Uh, for me, I found a lot of somethings <laughs> that were intriguing. Um, but it really uh, caused me to reflect on why we collect things that we do. Um, because I think it's fairly safe to say that most people collect something or at least they're enamored with something. And there's a lot of reasons why, and we're going to kind of unpeel some of those reasons here as we go along. 
Um, but like, for instance, yesterday, uh, the one estate, they had um, a lot of princess um, glassware, princess house. Uh, they had um, like Fenton, if you're familiar with any of these names, um, which is Fenton is just another type of like glassware and stuff like that. Um, they had um, collector trucks and matchboxes. They had um, uh, early Americana type stuff. Uh, but then also tons of craft supplies and things like that, which kind of made us pretty happy. Um, you know, and so old tools and on and on it goes. And, you know, we, as I mentioned, we go to a lot of auctions, so we get to see a lot of this and you kind of recognize patterns. And of course, it, it's kind of like a pass down kind of a mindset almost because, I mean, people don't choose to pass away, obviously. Uh, it just happens. It's part of our life, right? Um, but yet, while they're living, they there's things that they like to surround themselves with. Uh, something that brings them joy. You know, maybe it's Boyd's Bears or Teddy Bears in general or dolls like my grandmother. My grandmother loved dolls, doll babies. And she had a whole room full of these doll babies. And I'll be honest with you, going into that room, it was kind of creepy, um, <laughs> but she loved doll babies and it made her happy. Um, she did a lot of quilting and knitting. And so, um, you know, she had lots of blankets and crocheted pieces and knitted pieces and all of that. And um, that kind of leads me to why, you know, why do we collect the things that we collect? Why? Are there certain types of things that we keep around? Some of us love books, you know, and, and reading. And actually, it seems like a lot of you on here really enjoy reading and having books and stuff. Um, and I know for me, like, I collect a lot of things. We, you know, Chris and I both do, actually. And I've done a lot of self-reflection, just like in other areas of my life, like we've talked about in past shows, you know, why we do the things we do, what motivates us, what snaps our mind out of depression and happiness, what takes us from poverty and the success and, you know, different things like that. And a lot of it's mindset. And so from a mindset perspective, even, you know, why do we collect the things that we collect? Why do we have the things that we have? And I've come up with a couple reasons just in exploring my own underlying reasons why. Or at least, you know, the the reasons that I've concluded. I could be completely wrong and self-deluded, but, you know, that may come as no surprise to any of you. But, <laughs> uh, but anyways, one of the reasons um, that I for why we have certain things or hang on to certain things uh, actually came out of a photo series that I did several years ago. Um, some of you may remember it was called um, A Day with the Sacred. And I wanted to do a photo series on what people consider sacred and why. And um, in the lead up to when I started shooting, I was uh, uh, encouraging a lot of discussion around this topic on Facebook and got a lot of great interaction and feedback and all of that because uh, I was looking for topics to photograph. And one of the things that came up that was completely unexpected, uh, that literally shifted the photos that I took, like it, it literally impacted that entire series, was some of the feedback that. I started getting because like for me, I, my point of view in approaching it was, you know, from a human being perspective and a spiritual person perspective, there's a lot of things that we consider sacred. It may might be, you know, a crucifix. It could be the Buddha. It could be, you know, any number of things like that. And that's kind of where I was leading toward, you know. Um, and then in the discussion on Facebook, uh, one of my friends, Barb, uh, said that 
the most sacred thing to her was her grandmother's china. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it just never even occurred to me that something like that could be considered sacred. And uh, once I read her comment and really started thinking about it, I recognized that I did the same thing. You know, that there are certain things that I have that I consider <clears throat> sacred, not from a, you know, save my soul perspective or anything like that, but they're sacred to me. They're important to me. Uh, to you, you can probably care less. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, like for instance, I have several um, trains that were my dad's um, that I remember playing with and running, not so much playing with, but uh, running whenever I was a kid, like in, um, say, kindergarten, first grade is really when it started. So, you know, just a couple years ago, like 50. And <clears throat> I remember w playing with those trains with dad, um, which meant, you know, playing with my eyes and not with my hands because uh, he didn't want me to break them. Um, but of course, dad's gone now, you know, um, matter of fact, it, it'll be 10 years here in just a couple weeks. And I still have his trainings. Um, matter of fact, I have them displayed in my office along with a lot of other trains that I've bought since then. And the inspiration behind me collecting those trains is that it represents a connection to my dad. It represents uh, a connection to my childhood. And so you could say that perhaps a, uh, you know, uh, that we'll often, you know, try to relive our childhood perhaps or something like that. And, uh, and by the way, Mavis, I just used hoarder from a uh, perspective or just from a play on words. I would not consider myself a hoarder. And I agree with your assessment that um, a purchaser wants, a collector covets, a hoarder can't let go. Um, Extreme Hoarder as a show, I can't even watch it. It's just insane. But uh, anyway, so I recognized that like with Dad's Trains, for instance, um, it meant something to me. Now, perhaps you're not into model railroading or anything like that. And so... You know, whenever I kick the bucket, however long into the future that is, if you were to come to an auction with my stuff, if that ended up coming up on the auction block, you would have no emotional attachment to it unless you like HO trains and this specific model of train. You really wouldn't care, you know, but to me, I do. Um, and so, you know, I recognize that with trains, but I also collect a lot of other things. Um, and, uh, we all do. I mean, it, and it can vary over time. Um, but ultimately I don't think it's just a matter of needing to have stuff. Some of it can come from a poverty mindset, perhaps of needing to hold on to things. Some of it is the adrenaline rush perhaps of finding that thing. So the treasure hunt, which is certainly a part of my psyche. Um, because it's, you know, I'm not getting my identity out of having, you know, a cool number of trains or Funko Pops or Star Wars figures or whatever. Um, it's just fascinating to me. And what's really probably the most fascinating is the why, you know, and how every single person, like the hundreds of people that were there at the auction yesterday, they all had different interests. Some of them didn't really care. They were there solely to find deals to to resell. And uh, the one guy there that we've seen many times before at auction, he's a furniture buyer. And that particular auction yesterday, what he was probably, you know, in heaven <laughs> because the furniture prices were crazy low in most cases. I mean you know, bowfront cabinets that were selling for $170 that, you know, you could easily flip for five or 600 and, uh, barrister book, uh, cases. 
Um, two sets of antique ones sold for $290 total, and they're probably five to $600 a piece. You know, so some really incredible deals uh, on furniture yesterday. And so they were there to get the deals, just like any good, smart business person would be. So they're not really attached. They're just buying it to get rid of it again. Um, my problem is I, I can tend to get attached to things, <laughs> at least for a time. But one of the one of the things that um, Chris and I have talked a lot about, and, and really this is kind of how we live, is that we, we enjoy things for a time and then we'll let them go. And there's some exceptions to that, of course, like family type things or whatever. Um, but I, I've also discovered that, you know, there's nothing wrong with surrounding ourselves with things that make us happy. Some say it's having an obsession with stuff or whatever. I disagree, you know, um, and maybe it's because, you know, that's who I am as a person. But mining down into the reason why. So uh, just looking at my office um, books. Okay, we'll go there. So there's a lot of, uh, Chris and I both have a lot of books and there's a lot of different kind of books, although the majority of them are probably business related in a lot of respects. Um, I have a lot of historical books as well uh, because I love history and I love reading about it and all of that. Um, I have almost no novels because I don't read a lot of novels. I read some, but not a lot. I'd rather write them than read them, honestly. Um, but, you know, just glancing in my bookshelf, well, I have a couple of them in my office, but, you know, there's books on toys, there's books, uh, there's puzzle books, a lot of puzzle books, um, collector type books for pricing and those kinds of things. And then how to write sales copy, um, uh, a number of books on writing children's books and picture books and those kinds of things. Um, but then tons of business books, you know, and mindset books and the, that type of stuff as well. And the books one, like collecting books like that to me is more of an investment in education. Um, cause I love doing research. I love learning. Uh, and, and so there's that. I like having reference material uh, and access, you know, to those materials. And so uh, there's also something about physically holding something in your hand. But, you know, other than the fact that, you know, I have those and I use them for reference and for business and, and that kind of thing, I'm really not attached to them. You know, like, I don't, I'm not fascinated with books from the perspective of, their books, you know, so I don't need to go out and buy first edition copies of anything or, you know, I'm not driven that way. Um, but it probably wouldn't take a really hard push to send me in that direction. But for me, uh, it just represents, uh, embracing the brilliance of others, you know, and sharing in their, um, wisdom and insight and all of that. And I love that. Uh, but then there's other things like, I don't know, I have this weird obsession with aliens and <laughs> stuff like that. And I think it comes largely because of experiences that I had, um, some of which I've shared before, um, from whenever I was young, younger, like early teens. And it just kind of stuck, you know, um, mixed together with, you know, growing up watching Looney Tunes like Marvin Martian and Bugs Bunny and all of that. So you're going to find Bugs Bunny and Marvin Martian on my bookshelves. Um, there's representations for Disney and uh, Mickey Mouse, specifically whenever he's, you know, playing the role of the wizard or whatever, um, or the sorcerer, I guess it would be. Uh, Star Wars, there's puzzles of all kinds because I love puzzles. Um, and then um, I collect art, uh, whether it's paintings or uh, frame prints. 
sculpture I love, um, weirdo, bizarre looking characters. <laughs> so, uh, dinosaurs, of course. There's lots of dinosaurs in my office here. There's space related stuff like a five foot tall Saturn V rocket and you name it. So just a lot of different eclectic things. And so for me, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, um, a lot of these things are just connected to interest, to curiosities, to stuff that makes me smile or, or the flip side of it is in some cases, just an appreciation of the art that, uh, took place. Um, I'm enamored with creativity. You know, I, I would definitely consider myself a student of creativity, both on my own, uh, from my own perspective of being creative, because I create a lot, as you well know, um, but also seeing the expression of other people uh, and their creativity. It's like looking into their soul uh, whenever you see, you know, the artwork that they're creating, because they're likely going to do it different than you um, if they're true creators. And so maybe that's it. Maybe for me anyway, it's a matter of appreciating other people and seeing what makes them happy, what makes them thrive, what their interests are, uh, what their curiosities are. Um, and, you know, so maybe that's why, like for me, watching shows like The Voice or So You Think You Can Dance or whatever again, you get to see other people expressing creativity in different ways. It's not like you can collect that necessarily, but, um, you know, it, it's just it. Like on my desk right now, like my immediate desk, I, I have um, a Royal Guard from Star Wars, a vintage one and a newer one. And the reason why it's there is because... Um, like when Star Wars first came out, I was 16, 16, yeah, around 16, and then 18 and 20 based on, you know, the release dates of the movies. And so I was at an age where I wasn't really into toys or anything like that, but I did buy a couple figures and uh, three to be exact. <laughs> and one of those three figures was the Royal Guard. Um, they're like these hooded, red cloaked uh, characters. And the reason why I bought it is just because I thought it was badass. I mean, I thought they looked super cool. They didn't really do much in the movies. Um, but they look cool. And, and I still think they look cool, which is why I have them on my desk. And then I also have, uh, Mecha Godzilla <laughs> because whenever I was, a, I was a kid watching Saturday morning cartoons and stuff, um, you could watch shows like Godzilla, uh, the Godzilla movies, you could see Ultraman and a lot of the Japanese influenced shows. And so that's always stuck. Um, I have these really cute little, um, vinyl figures of, uh, Bigfoot and Yeti and Loch Ness Monster. I guess that's what this one is. Um, I have uh, a meteorite <laughs> and um, what else? A little alien guy over here on my right. Uh, and so pretty accurate reflection of who I was as a kid, my interest as a kid, but still interest today. Am I attached to all, any of them? Not really. I just think that they're fun. Um, and I remember... Uh, I went for a long period of time where I really didn't collect much of anything except for like Hot Wheels Mustangs because I like Mustangs and uh, I don't even do that anymore. But I remember when it occurred to me one day that being a single guy in a successful business, I actually had means to collect <laughs> like I could afford to. And, uh, I, you know, when I was, I was a kid, my grandfather took me to the auction a lot. And so I think I got the bug of that, um, very, very early on, like eight to 10 years old. Uh, and you know, things change in life, but what I'm kind of curious about is, you know, those of you who are here live, 
What are some of the things that you enjoy that you like to have, you know, or that you collect or, or whatever? And why, like, why do you find it interesting or why, you know, why do you have the things you have? Is it an obsession? Is it a reminder of your youth? Is it an honor of someone? Um, like a family member, parents or whatever. Um, is it something completely different? You know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I can't say that all people collect things. Certainly that wouldn't be the case, but there even, and by collection, by the way, I don't mean like you have to have hundreds or thousands of whatever it is we're talking about. It might be two, you know, it might be two things. It might be one thing that you have that to you is precious to you is sacred or just cool. You know, like Bugs Bunny sure as hell isn't sacred to me, but I love Bugs Bunny. That was a frame of reference for me as a kid. Um, the newer generations don't even know who Bugs Bunny is, you know, uh, or very little about Bugs Bunny or the messages that came through the cartoons. But for me, it's a thing because I'm in my 50s and many of you are my age or older. So, you know, you can relate or maybe it was Betty Boop or Felix the Cat or, you know, those kinds of things. Some of the early Disney characters uh, or I know like Tony, for instance, is in the UK. So it could be something completely different. Uh, so anyway, uh, Jess says uh, I collect stamps, old US stamps, because I love the artwork and engraving. Yeah, um, I agree 100%. I used to uh, collect stamps a lot. Back when I was in my um, mid-20s, I guess. Mid to late 20s. Uh, probably late 20s, early 30s. Um, I collected stamps. And I still have them all. But it was for the exact same reason. Um, the old engraving... Um, it's just fascinating. Same with, uh, paper dollars and stuff. Um, nothing wrong with collecting money, right? <laughs> but whenever you look at the old stuff, like I've, I've been researching, um, money that was available during the civil war times. Um, so paper money coins, uh, um, those types of things, tokens were a thing, uh, like, um, uh, two cent nickels and, you know, different things like that. And it's pretty fascinating, you know, but ultimately it gets back to the artwork, like you said. Uh, and he says, especially airmail stamps. Yes. Yeah. Like the one with the upside down plane and such. I don't have one of those, but it would be pretty awesome. Uh, Tony says books mostly business or self-development books or books on how to write books. Some are worth hundreds of dollars. Uh, two I paid about $400 for. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I found like for me, and I know the same is true for Kristen. There are a lot of things that wouldn't take a very hard push <laughs> to shove us in that direction. Um, just this morning I was looking at an auction that's coming up. Um, February 2nd, I guess, uh, about an hour away, um, hour and a half. And um, they're selling two types of things at this auction. One is um, vintage Native American um, beadwork and um, clothing and stuff like that, uh, art phenomenal stuff like a coma pottery and um beaded moccasins and all kinds of stuff which pushes a lot of happy buttons and then the second half of the auction is uh, vintage uh, books and uh, paper ephemera so those kinds of things and so a lot of uh, early first editions from the 17 and 1800s and you know those kinds of things and i was going through their suggested um, values versus, you know, because you can like bid online, but also go there live, um, which would be a lot more fun to see the stuff in person. And I was looking at some of the books and it's like, man, that is, it just, 
amazing books, some of which I have in digital form, but to have a first edition, you know, would be pretty awesome. So I can totally relate to that for sure. Uh, Kathy says, coffee cups from places that I've visited when we've traveled, mostly to remind me of the good time we had. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I don't do coffee cups. Um, Kristen probably does more than I do. Uh, and we don't really collect them. We just buy them if we think they're cool and, you know, use them. But one of the things that I did um, whenever I was traveling a lot, uh, whenever I was single and did a lot of the travel and road trips, um, Maya, my oldest grandchild, my granddaughter, uh, she was just a baby, you know, um, and very young back then. And so everywhere I would go, I would buy her a snow globe um, and bring it back and give it to her. And so now she has this whole collection of snow globes that Pappy bought her <laughs> whenever, um, you know, I would travel. So she has a couple dozen of them from all over the place. And I would try to find really unusual ones. Um, so, you know, they're West coast and UK and Caribbean and, you know, all points in between. And so it's not like she's a collector per se, but yet she has a collection. Um, and it was more of a reflection of me giving to her, but fun nonetheless. Mavis says, I'd be so much better off collecting stamps or coins, but no, I go for books by genre or author. Yeah, my collection takes up a whole lot more room. Yeah, I've thought of that too. I mean, you know, I have, well, not I, Kristen and I together have five storage units that cost us a mortgage every month <laughs> just to have them. And all that's in there is um, parts of our collection because we can't display it all. And there's a wide variety of things. One of our units is devoted to inventory for our store. So I guess four, I guess, qualify for collections. But one of the things that we're getting ready to do is clean them all out, um, except for a few choice things. And we're sending it all to auction, uh, turn it into cash, I guess you could say. Um, because we're not attached. It's cool to have the stuff. And, you know, I tend to be a completist. So if I started a collection, like um, a good example would be vintage Star Wars figures. Um, I have a complete set of every vintage Star Wars figure that was created with the exception of two, I think I need yet. And it's kind of silly that I don't have them. It's just an objection on price because they're not inexpensive. Um, but it's always haunting the back of my mind. You need this figure because, you know, why have however many there are 126 uh, figures and you have 124 like that's maddening to me personally. Um, so I try to be very careful not to buy things where I could be a completist because I know how that affects me. Um, and I don't know why, like once I, I guess there it's the thrill of the hunt. Again, I am like the perpetual Indiana Jones. Um, that's just who I am, whether it's online, you know, researching the ultimate public domain goodies that no one else is aware of, or, you know, tracking down that last star Wars figure that I need. Um, it's the thrill of the hunt. So like yesterday, for instance, like the way Kristen and I attack auctions is a little bit different than some because we usually go, um, tech heavy, you know, her more than I, uh, I would say, but there's times where we both go in with laptops and everything. And so there's specific things that we want. And so until those, uh, come up, I mean, you're not going to be actively bidding on every single item. Uh, in a 10 hour auction, it just isn't feasible. So we'll sit there and, uh, work, <laughs> you know, lately I've just been working on my phone, outlining courses in Evernote. Um, cause we went to an auction on Saturday as well. And we were there for about seven hours, something like that, seven or eight hours. And, uh, 
you know, I outlined half a course while I was there, um, mailed my list from her laptop, updated a couple websites. Uh, she was editing blog posts and all of that. So we kind of multitask when it comes to that. Um, because there's some things we just don't care about from a collector perspective, like glassware and dishes and silverware and all that kind of stuff. Don't care. Um, could care, <laughs> but don't care. Uh, so for me, it's just kind of interesting. But I agree, Mavis, it, uh, wouldn't it be cool to just like collect coins and stamps and be done with it? It takes up a lot less room. It would save us a lot of money per month in storage. That's for darn sure. Um, and I am a big fan of coins and money, by the way. Um, I've actually just started buying silver and gold because it makes sense. Um, but that's more not from a collector perspective. Like I could care less that the coin is in mint condition and it's an 1843 S whatever. Don't care. You know, if um, the reality is that an ounce of silver costs what it costs. And so if the more silver I can get cheap, the better it is in the long run. Uh, so anyway, it is what it is. Uh, Lori says, I've downsized and been very happy about letting go of many possessions and keeping them up for others to enjoy. I'm happier with less to take care of and clean. I can understand that. Um, gave away over 500 books. Kept my stamp collection. My mom started me on collecting stamps and we did it together. That's cool. Uh, enjoy the stamps for the artwork, but also learning the history of the stamp, like what it commemorates, plus... The hunt for the special ones is fun too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, I, I love the artwork as well. I love the history behind it. Uh, certainly I still read about that stuff constantly. It's just fascinating to me. It seems like so many people like younger people today don't even care about history. And it seems like from my perspective anyway, like history is being rewritten in some really bizarre ways. And so I, I feel a certain amount of responsibility to hold on to history as it was. And I realize history is subjective. You know, we talked about that in the past. Um, but I don't know. It's not, for me, it's not so much about wanting to understand history so I don't repeat its mistakes. Um, it, it represents our heritage you know, um, either physically through genealogy or, uh, our social heritage, um, our political heritage, our religious heritage, like all the different aspects of who we are as human beings, uh, is represented in history in its different forms. Um, there's something about that to me that's just incredibly fascinating. Mark says, I saw the subject on today's talk and said to myself, uh-oh, um, <laughs> I thought you might have that thought. <laughs> I actually thought about you specifically whenever I posted that. Uh, he said, I have collected, as you have, nearly all of the things you've mentioned, uh, books, all the ones you mentioned, plus comics, art publications of any kind, specific artists and art styles, including vintage. My library is my house. Uh, movies, a lot of animation. Uh, add art tools for every type of art and materials and collections of project materials. Scrap metal, wood, glass, and antiques. Let's not forget rocks. Tons and tons of rocks. I am not attached. Uh, I am attached but not obsessive. Yeah, I mean, that really is like my house too. <laughs> We're like uh, brothers from a different mother. Um... Because, yeah, I mean, we have, I wouldn't say every art tool known to man, but most every art tool known to man. Like, one of the things that we got at the auction yesterday um, is uh, this thing called an AccuCut, right? So it allows you to uh, cut and score, uh, like, paper, cardboard, leather, um, chipboard, and stuff like that. And so they have these dies these big dies. And so you can like cut your own envelopes or, 
leather purses or whatever, and then just sew them up. And uh, what's what's fascinating is that like the dies themselves, the the company's still in business. The machine that we got isn't that old, but um, the dies are like a hundred to one hundred fifty a piece, um, new. And um, we got a cartload of the dies for two different machines. We bought two different machines, a small one and a large one. And uh, the dies, we got, we don't even know for sure how many, but an estimate of about 150 to 200 dies. Um, Maybe even more. Uh, Honestly, there's so many of them. And then the machines, and we got it all for like 900 bucks. And the dies themselves are $100 a piece to buy now. You can still buy the same ones online. Or, yeah, online. And so, like, now we have that. <laughs> you know, now we can die cut just about anything we want, uh, which is awesome. We didn't have that feature before other than cutting it with a laser um, or Cricut machine. But, you know, you just find those kind of deals. And, uh, like we had people coming up and congratulating us. Like you got the deal of the auction, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. It was pretty funny, but, uh, anyway, so yeah, art stuff I love because creative people want to create, right. And you want to try it all, or at least experiment with things. And that for me is my mother's fault. Uh, because I, we grew up crafting, you know, um, from the time I was a kid, we were always making stuff, you know, um, obviously the younger I was, the more simple those things were. But as I got older, you know, mom introduced me to pottery. Mom introduced me to Cherokee basket weaving. Um, she entered, my grandmother introduced me to crocheting and knitting. Um, my mom taught me how to sew, um, you know, and then photography, which is completely different from a maker kind of thing. Uh, you know, so I, it was unavoidable for me to be interested and obsessed with stuff. And a lot of it was thanks to my mom and she still does stuff today. Um, you know, so I don't know, but you know, with the artwork and Mark mentioned about collecting certain artists, um, I have my own artists that I follow that I like to collect after, whether they're sculptors or um, painters or whatever. And the best way I can describe it is that there's something about their expression of themselves in their art that just connects with me. Like we're on the same page, so to speak, with that. Somebody else might look at the same thing and go, what in the world did you just buy? (laughs) You know, like it's so weird. And for me, I'm like, this is the freaking coolest thing ever, (laughs) you know? So I don't know. It's just ultimately a great expression of humanity. You know, what we collect is a great expression of humanity. Uh, Mark says, I forgot to add game cigar boxes, original art of all styles. Yeah, there's, there's so many things and, you know, it's something that I'd love to challenge you to just kind of think about, um, you know, why, why do I collect X, (laughs) you know, and, and not with the challenge of, you know, having you get rid of it or whatever. Um, but I think it's important for us to always be introspective and, uh, reflective in, you know, what motivates us because there can be, uh, factors in collecting that may be unhealthy, (laughs) you know, that it would be easier to just address the issue that you're trying to cover over or mask with the collecting. You know, like I uh, very easily could see where self-worth issues can play into that. That having certain things makes you feel important or special or whatever. When in reality, we should be comfortable in our own skin without any external anything. You know, we should love ourselves without any external, 
you know, attaboys patting on our back or whatever. We should be self-sufficient like that. Most people are not. Um, and I, I guess all of us in some respect or another have our own little neuroses perhaps, but, um, in thinking about, you know, what we have, what we collect, it real, I see it the way I choose to see it is that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's just a reflection of who we are or the influences that we had, or, you know, the, those kinds of things, uh, stuff that, um, defined who we are now, you know, like for me, um, I didn't have any Bugs Bunny toys or Marvin Martian toys until I was an adult. And I got them then because, you know, whenever I was a kid, they made me smile, you know, watching those cartoons, they made me smile. I loved star Wars as a movie. I could, you know, who didn't want to be the hero? Although I, more than not, I wanted to be the bad guys, <laughs> you know, the bounty hunters and such. But <clears throat> still, it's something that I can relate to because um, Star Wars, Harry Potter, you know, just choosing two examples, represent Hero's Quest. And so who doesn't want to be a hero in some form or another? Uh, and so, you know, I, I like Harry Potter stuff. I'm not as obsessed about it as Star Wars, but... Still, I have my own number of magic wands and all of that because I think they're awesome. And uh, the auction on Saturday, I actually got a uh, a crystal ball that was uh, titled Merlin's Ball. And uh, so it has all this really cool um, symbology on it and all of that around it. Uh, so I guess, you know, perhaps part of my fascination is with magical things as well because i've always loved magic i've always loved puzzles um so you know maybe in a former life i was like a unicorn this magical thing with pixie dust and stuff <laughs> whatever um Mavis says, oh, yeah, also art-making supplies, silly little items or characters that tickle my fancy. Yeah, for us, um, well, you know, we've been building this maker space that we call the play space that's right behind our house. It's a two-story garage, 24 by 36. And the only garage anything <laughs> is where my Mustang is parked. And everything else is some form of maker or something. Stained glass, pottery, woodworking, and then all the fun digital tools. But we have this, I would say a solid third of the upstairs is all miniatures. I mean, I've taught a lot of miniatures. I'm going to be teaching more miniatures in the future. Um, but like miniature houses, whether it's stuff to make them or just to have them because we both buy a lot of miniatures. I just bought these little uh, pewter dragons yesterday that like two dozen of them that are really super cool. Um, so yeah, I love stuff like that. To me, like just like even the Viking kids, you know, I have several dozen of them now, even though they all pretty much look the same. Uh, I have them in different places. A lot of them are in the play space but also throughout the house and in our offices and stuff. And just like looking at those little guys just make me smile. Um, it brightens my day. Every time I walk into my office, I just relax, you know, even though it's very, I wouldn't say cluttered, but it has a lot of uh, different types of things in it. Um, it just, I feel home, you know, I just relax. And, uh, so I guess for me, that's kind of the magic of it. And, uh, it's like the whole world is represented in my office. Cause it, you know, just looking around, I have like plush, uh, characters from France and Russia and places like that. Um, different toys from all over the world. Um, I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know. I can't really even describe it. Other than me, <laughs> it's me.
Mark says, it's cool that you look for the artist expression in the pieces you collect. I find the technicality that the tech, yeah, technic, technically photo real style less appealing because it does not reveal anything about the artist. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I've never like, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I found for me personally, while I find like paintings and pen and ink and stuff like that, that is photo real fascinating. Um, they have zero appeal to me whatsoever. Like I could just go take a photograph. The fact that you can accomplish a photo real thing using oils or whatever is, uh, and I'm saying you in the general sense, um, is, uh, amazing for an artist to do. I, you know, I certainly don't have that skill. Well, actually I do have that skill. Uh, it's called pushing a button in my Canon 5D Mark III. <laughs> but if I had to paint that from scratch, it ain't going to happen. I don't have that skill. Um, so I guess perhaps that's why, for me personally, I like the unusual. Like uh, yesterday at the auction, there was these um, paper mache um, little characters and they were about as bizarro as you can get. I mean, skulls and weird little creatures and everything, which I like a lot of, um, like day of the dead type stuff, you know, sugar skulls and those kinds of things. And so these were reminiscent of that and they were, but they were real little, like maybe two to three inches and that's it. And some smaller. And so I joked, I pointed them out to Chris and I'm like, you know, I wouldn't mind getting those. Um, they're kind of cool. And uh, so I was loading some stuff out to the car because we bought four keyboards. Um, it's hard to resist buying stuff like that when you see $3,000 keyboard sell for 200 bucks. Like, it's hard for me to say no. Chris and I are both musical. So, you know, and they were selling high-end gear so we now have keyboards we already have one but anyway i digress again um so kristen said uh while i was carrying stuff out she's like i was thinking about just buying those things for you and i'm like i don't care i think they're great you know i'll set them next to the bed because <laughs> they're cool but i didn't i didn't research them i didn't you know dig into them because you don't buy at an auction without research. That's just stupid, unless you like throwing money away. Um, but I didn't research those. And honestly, I didn't think they had a lot of value, even though they were cool. But they were like turn of the century, come to find out. And um, they ended up selling for, I don't even remember what the final number was, eight or $900. It might have even been over 1000 We were kind of stunned. <laughs> and one of our friends behind us leaned forward and said, Still want to get those? I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> Don't need them that bad. You know, uh, eight pieces of fancy, clever-looking paper mache uh, for a thousand bucks? No. Um, but yet they could have been worth ten thousand. You know, and somebody, you know, whoever bought them could flip them and make a, a bunch of money. Who knows? But anyway, um, it's another conversation. It is. Uh, I do, for me personally, um, I like eclectic expression. So like if you look at the art in my office, you'll see like um, charcoal drawings of uh, from Alice in Wonderland that are very, um, the only word coming into my head is eccentric, but they're different. Um, I have a couple paintings from one of my customers um, that are bears. Uh, and I love bears. I really relate to those. But I also have some great digital art. I have um, some um, original comic panels um, that were drawn, you know, much larger, like double size uh, comic panels that have dinosaurs and stuff like that on them. Uh, but more so sculptures uh, and like custom plush and stuff like that. A lot of dragons, a lot of dinosaurs. Um, but most of them are weird looking. <laughs> so maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm weird. I'm pretty sure I'm weird.
So anyway, uh, something to think about, something to reflect on. And if you don't collect anything, there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, although I can't imagine not, even though I lived a, a period of years where there wasn't anything like that, that I, I guess, no, I can't say that. I was going to say where I didn't collect anything, but that's not true because I would still buy cameras and lenses and stuff. So, yeah, I guess I can't say that I've never, ever collected nothing. <laughs> but now, just as a hint, hint for some of you, uh, we, Kristen and I have this tendency now to like all of our collections and stuff that we love to collect. We figured out how to monetize almost all of it now. Um, we're going to talk more about that in the future as we get into 2019. Um, but there's nothing better than to collect stuff you love, but stay unattached to it so that you can actually make money from it. Um, so that's the greatest thing. I mean, we have two toy stores and we collect toys, you know, so how cool is that? We can go in and see all this cool stuff and we have buying power with vendors and all of that. So we can get what we want, but then we can also sell it and make money. So, um, so that's kind of where we are with a lot of our collecting. Now I w wouldn't say a hundred percent of what we collect is being monetized, but a solid 50% of it is, you know, we've turned it into a business, which doesn't really take away from the, uh, the power of the collection as much as it does add to that because, you know, you get to do what you love, you get to have around what you love and you get to make money from it all at the same time. So to me, it's like the ultimate win-win. Uh, and we're going to be doing even more of that. Chris says, when is the monetized webinar? Um, there's, we're taking two different approaches. Uh, we have, there's two different courses, one that I'm teaching and one that we're joint teaching. Um, I'm not quite sure when we're going to roll those out yet. Um, but one of them is, I would say, 80% outlined already. It's almost done because I work on it almost every day. I'm, I'm writing five courses simultaneously, you know, and just in Evernote outlining them all. I have a long sheet, courses for 2019, and then there's subheads and then outlines. Uh, some working one, multiple ones all at the same time. So uh, I have to take a look. It's probably, uh, in all honesty, where are we now? Into January, probably March, the first one will come out. And I don't have a name for it yet. Actually, we don't have a name for either of them yet. So, um, but you'll you'll find out. <laughs> Mark says five courses. You're a monster. Well, it's it's easy um, to create courses when you love what you're teaching, you know. And as I've shared many times, I'm a research addict. You know, I'm constantly getting data input in some form or another because of my curiosity. I mean, I just have this crazy curiosity, and I love so many different things. I'm fascinated by so many different things. And so I, it's very often it starts off with a single thought that may come up. Even, like one of the courses that Chris and I are doing together came out of a customer support question. You know, it's like, you know, we could teach the hell out of that topic and we never have, you know. And so it started like that, you know. Other ones, it's just, hey, you know, it'd be cool you know, to talk about this, or I never looked at it from that perspective before. So, you know, why not? Um, so I write down everything, like whenever an inspired idea or any idea really comes to me, I write it down in Evernote. And then as those ideas keep getting input, I start to look for patterns. And then I pull those patterned ideas together and then see if there's any energy to them. You know, if more stuff comes to uh, comes to mind about it, I'll keep adding it. And so it really evolves that way, you know. Um, and so 
on my page, I have eight or nine ideas right now. And um, five of them I'm actively inputting into. <laughs> and some of them, uh, not all of them, but some of them just literally setting at the auction, just entering in stuff on my phone while I'm waiting for lots to come up. So, anywho. Chris says, looking forward to it. Thanks. Yep, you're very welcome. All right, folks. Well, that's all I have for right now. Um, very interesting session. Uh, we'll, of course, reconvene here next week, the same time and channel, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. <coughs> I never have any clue what we're going to talk about each week. Um, so I guess we all get to find out next week whenever we get to that time in space and history. Uh, so anyway, between now and then, hope you have a great week. Um, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk again soon.